1: Good morning. Welcome to The Morning Bee. Thank
2: you so much for joining us on this lovely Wednesday. It's hump day. We got over the uh, Tuesday the Tuesday, what do we call them? The Tuesday Troubles?
3: The Tuesday Blues Day.
2: Blues, Well, yeah, Tuesday Blues Day. That works. I like that one.
3: Okay, great. Well, we have a
2: great show coming up for you today. Next hour, we're going to be joined by the Vice Dean and Professor of Law at Rutgers Law School talking okay. about the significance of Ketanji Brown Jackson's Supreme Court nomination and her hearing. We're also going to check in for Red, White & Q uh, on the situation in Ukraine. Belarus uh, could join Russia in the effort to invade Ukraine tell you what, and though. occupy Ukraine it's problematic
3: We were talking about this during the break and the way that Ukraine is like not leaving like, no, not going no, I, not quitting get out of here bring on more they're and tough. then they're winning Yeah I mean I'd be so proud to be Ukrainian
2: I don't know that anybody's winning Yes, He's kinda winning. but I I hear you. I hear you. you're like it's a game, right? It's a it's, game.
3: I mean, not we don't want to say winning. Yeah. You're right. Okay. Yeah. But they are saying if you mess with us, we're they're, not backing down. Yeah, they're
2: not backing down. That's a perfect way to put it. Uh, so we're going to be checking in on that as well. Also, spring equinox took place this week. Uh, and what else is in the stars for us during Aries season? Well, our resident astrologer Marcus Barrington is calling in. Uh, in our third hour, we've got a jam packed show for you. How you doing, Michaela?
3: I'm doing good, honey.
2: I'm alive. You're doing something big girl this weekend. Are we talking about it?
3: Yeah, we can talk about it. shooting an
2: album cover? Like, no big deal?
3: Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm doing my very first ever album. Uh, So I'm doing the album cover at my grandma's house. And it's a big photo shoot. We're recreating everything that my grandma did in her house. uh, But we're doing it in high... Uh, cool girl fashion i thought
2: you were gonna say high heels which is also, also in heels. true yeah yeah uh-huh.
3: um so i'm excited full transparency i'm a little overwhelmed i think only because it's so important to me sure. and um it's like my very first like big professional photo shoot that entails like costumes yeah. and set design and all these things so it's gonna be, gonna be so good. fantastic
2: Thank Listen, you, baby. I, they, I, they say this all the time, but if it doesn't scare you, it's not worth it. Yeah. So you're scared right now. It's fine. I, if I know one thing about Michaela Gordon, if she always turns up and she turns out. You're going to be just fine.
3: I love you so much. I be need better. that little confidence today. Oh,
2: please. It's going to be better than you could ever imagine. I can't wait to see the results. I'm sure you'll be sending me text messages. Of oh, some the entire still time! Images, and you'll be saying, "Don't share these. They're not. They're not. They're not ready just yet." But here's here's a sneak peek.
3: Oh, I a thousand percent will. I can't wait to show you. As you
2: often do. I love it. Can't wait to support. Uh, right now, though, it's time for news on the beat. What do you have for us? All
3: right. Well, U.S. Senator John Cornyn of Texas called the Supreme Court's marriage equality ruling an, uh, an edit. And an example... An edict? An edict. Is it
2: E-D-I-C-T? Yeah. I love teaching you words.
3: Edict! Okay. (laughs) And an example of policy making by the court when questioning nominee Ketanji Brown-Jackson During her confirmation hearing Tuesday, Cornyn, a Republican, uh, posited that the 2015 decision created a new right that is not in the U.S. Constitution, and he questioned the court's authority to make the decision. As 32 states had passed laws or constitutional amendments against marriage equality, he brought up a conflict with religion as well. I think Vanessa pulled a clip for us. We can take a listen before we move on.
1: Do you see that when the Supreme Court makes a dramatic pronouncement about the invalidity of state marriage laws that it will inevitably set in conflict between those who ascribe to the Supreme Court's edict and those who have a firmly held religious belief that marriage is between a man and a woman?
4: Well, Senator, that is the nature of a right, that when there is a right it means that there are limitations on regulation, even if uh, people are regulating pursuant to their sincerely held religious beliefs. Ooh,
2: Kentonji!
3: I, listen, I think she handled herself so beautifully. I think it's nice to see She's her. She's like,
2: let me explain to you the word right, you a-hole. Yes! Like, look. Like, <sighs> this is the old dude from texas yeah he is still upset about marriage equality seven years later yeah like that's but you see what's happening this has been a long slow game they're playing trying to take away all of our rights because they're so upset totally we thought we were oh we won nope, no Nope. 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 Nope.
3: you're right all right let's get into some weather i have eight and nine in la today 78 in vegas 87 in palm springs 68 in houston and 88 in cathedral city being gorgeous out Now give us a vibe of the day.
2: May I never be complete. May I never be content. May I never be perfect.
3: Oh, I love that.
2: I got that last one down.
3: Yeah. Definitely
2: not perfect.
3: No, but you're (laughs) perfectly perfect for me and you and Emil. I love you. Do you like that I put myself before me all?
2: Sure did. Right of- before my fiance. <laughs> just barely after me. So, <laughs> so thanks. Well, I think you actually put yourself before me too. I did. Roll I hear back. that
3: back. I hear it. Morning channel Q.
2: You know, living in this city, working in this industry, we always just want to be able to stay young, stick around a little bit longer. But uh what if you could live to be hundred and fifty? Because anti-aging experts believe this could be possible for babies born uh, in our lifetime. Yes. Back in the day, you used to live to be about your age or my age. And that was it. You were Literally. Out, right? Now people live to be 70, 80, 90, 100 years old. But what if you could live to be 150? Would you want to?
3: Here's the thing that I learned from my grandma Vivian Capricci. Viv lived until she was like 93. And when she got to be about like 80... She was like, all right, I'm ready to go. And we're like, Grandma, shut up. And she was like, what? All my friends are dead. My husband's dead. My parents are gone. Everyone's gone. Like, I'm good. And she continued to say that until the day that she died. And it had nothing to do with the love she had for her grandkids or her children. But it was very lonely for her not having companionship. She would never have remarried Um, She didn't have that great of a relationship with my papa, but she just would never, not as an Italian Catholic woman. And uh, losing all of her friends and having to attend all those funerals, including even one of her sons, Uh. it was too much for her.
2: Well, apparently, uh, due to breakthroughs in science that have uh, reversed aging processes in mice, cellular rejuvenation could see people living uh, not just longer, but also disease-free. And that's the big part, I think. That's amazing. I don't want to just stick around for an extra 50 or 60 years and be miserable. If I could be 110, 120 and still feel like I'm 50, that's a different conversation. A
3: thousand percent. But
2: I feel you though, because listen, I'm 41 and I still have a lot of life ahead of me, God willing, but I still go through periods where I'm like, I'm tired. <laughs> like I'm tired of humaning. It's like a lot. So imagine humaning for 150 years. Like, I mean, it's just do- a
3: lot of time. Like
2: what do you do with your, when do you retire? Do you retire at 50 or 60 still? Or do you no, work until you you're, work you're, you're, you're 100, like 100. 120, probably. I mean, yeah. realistically, if you're going to live to be that old. And then also, we already have a problem with people finding jobs, like younger people because of the Oh my boomers.
3: God, yeah.
2: The whole entire society. If, if people live to be 150, we have to change the way we do society. I
3: mean, everything. How are people going to be able to... The, the biggest question, how can the planet support that many people? I mean, we're already in major climate uh, change. <clears throat> and to imagine having enough... Farming and cropping and all that. I just, I don't see how it would go unless you started doing 3D steaks, which not for me.
2: 3D steaks sound delicious. Um, The U.S. life expectancy for children born in 2020, uh, 74.2 years old for men, 79.9 for women, which is about four to five years shorter than our counterparts born in the UK, for instance. If you're born in the United Kingdom, you're expected to live four to five years longer than if you are born. Really? Yes. Why? Because we lie to ourselves. We live in a culture where we think we're the greatest nation on earth. We have everything figured out. There's nobody like us on the planet. But we work, 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 work. It's all we do.
3: Oh, right, right, right.
2: We live to work instead of work to live. Do you know what I mean? And that's part of the issue with our culture, which is what I love. This pandemic and social media has really sort of started to shift the narrative. Because I don't know about you, but I grew up in a small town in Ohio thinking nobody on the planet could touch Americans. We're just the smartest, the toughest, the fastest, the best at everything. That's what we were told. That's what we believed. We say the Pledge of Allegiance every single morning, but other countries are living longer, healthier lives than us. Many of them, actually. And yet here we are thinking, well... Those poor countries.
3: I mean, listen, I'll tell you what, just in my own experience, I worked, I hustled, I actually glorified the way that I worked. And uh, I, I thought it was so impressive And when people were like, oh my God, how'd you get it all done? Oh my God, that's crazy. And then after I had a mental breakdown, I was like, I'm done, don't care, I hate this, I hate this life. And when I step back, I literally get the same amount of work done. In half the time, it really is about working harder—not, I mean, working smarter and not harder. Uh-huh. I feel so much better, and when I feel so much better, I have time to do things that I love, like hiking, taking Rocco, hanging out with Lisa. Well, if you don't
2: take breaks, you work yourself so hard that you can't shut your brain down, so your brain doesn't quite function the way you need it to. So you're not really accomplishing a whole lot, but you think you're doing busy work that's important. But what is it actually? Yeah. It's just wearing you out.
3: Yeah. I'm telling you, that was the best lesson I learned in 2020 and something that I've carried on with me. Now, if I were to live to 150, I mean, maybe as long as I could be promised to like live by the beach and like hang out with Lisa, if Lisa's not going to live to 150, I don't want to be here. 150
2: years, who knows if the beach will even be here anymore. Climate well, Lisa, just
3: make me a bathtub and let me roll around in it.
2: Well, yeah, that's part of it. Like, if you had somebody, like your significant other, for instance. Like, if other people were also living to be 150, it's a different conversation. But that's what
3: I'm saying. That's why when my grandma died, she was like, it's not about the age. I don't care that I live to be 93. All my friends and everybody all died. all So would you want to live to 150 and be able to, like, share that? Or would you rather die in your early 90s with the rest of your friends and partner?
2: Maybe. Maybe. Cryogenically freeze me for, like, a decade or so. Give me a breather. Let me rest and reset.
3: You're not pulling an Austin Powers and right now. And then bring
2: me back for 40 or 50 years. I could do that. Okay. I need um, a long nap in the middle though. Yeah.
3: <laughs> remember when Austin Powers got unfrozen and then he peed for five minutes? Oh, uh, like, that was a good one. You can stop.
2: Do you remember? You can it- stop. Do you remember the movie uh, Forever Young with no. Mel Gibson? No. Before he got canceled for being anti-Semitic?
3: No, I never saw it.
2: Yeah, he was like a, he was like basically like a war s- soldier and he was cryogenically frozen as an experiment and then. Thought out years later, fell in love with like Rene Russo or somebody. I can't remember who's in that movie with him. Beat. And then slowly started aging very quickly. It started catching up.
3: Oh, God. Heartbreaking. I don't want that either. Beat. Morning Beat. Channel Q.
2: Welcome back to The Morning Beat. It's time for our first round of What's Poppin' for the Morning. Michaela. What do you got?
3: Okay, well, big news. And just like that is getting a second season. Come on. And I think a lot of people are very excited. I think a lot of people have a lot of I'm opinions. hopeful. I'm hopeful. Well, Michael Patrick King made a statement. He said, I'm delighted and excited to tell more stories about these vibrant, bold characters played by these powerful, amazing actors. Uh, the fact is we're all thrilled. And just like that, our sex life is back. However, Twitter did not seem to agree, and Twitter is begging them to not make it as woke as it was. Like, Agreed. Just leave Agreed. a few things out. Yep. It's okay. Um, and I think that, how do you say her, uh, ch- is it Che?
2: Che Diaz, yeah. All, All of Twitter
3: is saying Che Diaz, leave us alone. We will never know peace from Che Diaz. It's a lot. Uh, don't want her back on the show. Them. Uh, I- I'm sorry. Not you, ben. but
2: yeah, but that's how they're tweeting. Yep. Yeah,
3: and uh, and, s- oh, God, I think it's so tough to have to portray a character that literally everybody hates.
2: Yeah, it's tricky because season one sort of ends on a bit of a cliffhanger with their storyline, so it seems like they have to come back for season two. There's always creative ways to write somebody out of a series. They really stumbled, especially the first half of the season, because they had to address Mr. Big. Chris Noth and the sexual allegations. It really kind that of dragged him down. too much for me, though. It, it dragged him down, and they had to reset the series, but you go into a series that used to be about sex, and everybody's married. How do you do that? Well, you got to break up some relationships. So it took time to do those things. And then... Stanford Blatch, Willie Garson, may he rest in peace. He passed away a couple episodes in. So they went through a lot. It
3: was a lot. Well, I, Mr. Big got all like accused for sexual abuse.
2: Yep.
3: Then remember he did the Peloton commercial, which yep. like, just too little And then that late. got
2: pulled like a day later because all the allegations came out. I think that by the second half of season one, though, it started to find its rhythm. And it started to get fun again. And that's the thing. Nobody wants to be preached to. Should the original series have been more diverse? Absolutely it should have. There were gay men, and there were not a lot of people of color, right? But, and I hear that. It's New York City. It's a diverse city. But also, also, is it possible for four white women to be best friends in New York City? A thousand percent.
3: Yeah. So, and also, Samantha really played the diversity card. She was a lesbian. She had interracial relationships. Like, we saw what that looked like. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's the biggest Did thing claim for her them?
2: as a lesbian? <laughs> She's yeah. bisexual, honey. Listen, you can't take just her take lesbian.
3: her. I want her. She's mine.
2: She, uh, she got with all the men and all the women. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like they went a little bit too far. It's like, listen, we're we're woke in 2022. Great. Yeah. But are you still good? Yes. Is it a good show? And it wasn't. Because also it's too much. The first few episodes were not. The fashion, though, did not skip a beat because Never. Carrie Bradshaw still knows how to rock every look
3: we love to see it. We love it. Congratulations, everybody, over at Just Like That. But also, if you bring Che back, be ready for some backlash. <laughs> right, coming up, we're talking about the significance of Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson's Supreme Court nomination. And if her trial has really been a fair one, what this could mean for the American people next.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
3: B. Morning.
2: B. Channel Q. I'm not running away from this hour because we have a great one coming up for you. Coming up in about 15 minutes, the vice dean and professor of law from Rutgers uh, is calling in to talk about the significance of the Ketanji Brown Jackson Supreme Court nomination as we uh, go into our third day of hearings uh, on Capitol Hill. Um, also, I believe we've got uh, Richard Fowler uh, joining us, a uh, political expert, uh, talking to us in uh this hour as well about belarus and what role they're about to play or could be playing in the war in ukraine it's yes. a two-parter for red white and q today stick around for both they're both fascinating conversations right now it's time for news on the beat Michaela, what do you have for us
3: all right babel well, according to publicly available annual returns 11 nonprofit profit groups identified as anti-lgbtq hate groups by the southern poverty law center Took in over $110 million in contributions during the financial year ending in 2020. The dollar amount represents a recent high water mark for the organization's the take of donations, grants, and other non-cash con- contributions has increased steadily since 2016, when the same 11 groups reported more than $87 million in such contributions. Now, in just four years, their total revenues swelled by over 25%, with some indication that the positive trend continued into 2021. The multi-million dollar war chest has bolter- bolstered a movement that just a few years ago Appeared to be losing ground in America's decades long culture war around lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer rights. Far from retreating, the groups have won significant battles at all levels of American government and society, from local school boards to the federal courts.
2: Love it. I love that they're raising this much, they're spending this much time and money to what? Take away our rights?
3: Yeah. Get over it. Yeah. All right, another news. Moderna announced uh, interim results of its COVID 19 vaccine for children younger than six. The company said two 25 microgram doses of its COVID 19 vaccine for children ages six months through five years old provided a similar immune response to two 100 microgram doses for adult ages 18 to 25, indicating that the benefit conferred to young adults is also conferred to young children. The data showed a robust neutralizing antibody response and a favorable safety profile according to a company news release based on the data Moderna said it will ask the US Food and Drug Administration to authorize the use of the vaccine in this younger age group in the coming weeks
2: well that's good to know Did you hear that uh, Hillary Clinton has COVID?
3: No, Mm -hmm. our girl.
2: She announced yesterday she tested positive for COVID. I know Jen Psaki, the press secretary of the White House, also tested positive for COVID. Uh, But Hillary Clinton said, "Well, I've tested positive for COVID. I've got some mild cold symptoms, but I'm feeling fine. I'm more grateful than ever for the protection vaccines can provide against serious illness. Please get vaccinated and boosted if you haven't already." She said this uh, on her Twitter account yesterday at about 3:30 p.m.
3: Love to see it. All right, Ryan. Coming out news, U.S. Senator John Cornyn of Texas called the Supreme Court's marriage equality ruling an edict and an example of policymaking by the court when questioning nominee Ketanji Brown-Jackson during her confirmation. Cornyn, a Republican, uh, said that the 2015 decision created a new right that is not in the U.S. Constitution. He questioned the court's authority to make the decision as 32 states have passed laws or constitutional amendments against marriage equality. He brought up a conflict with religion as well. Vanessa's pulling up a little audio for us to be able to hear it. Do we have it? Yes.
1: That marriage is between a man and a woman?
4: Well, Senator, that is the nature of a right. That when there is a right, it means that there are limitations on regulation, even if uh, people are regulating pursuant to their sincerely held religious beliefs.
3: Love to see it.
2: Don't... I can't remember, remind me if, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't we set up as a nation that was, there was a separation of church and state? Wasn't that a oh thing? Oh my
3: God, I've been preaching that for At years. At some point. I, give me a break.
2: Like, it's wild how freely. Republicans in particular are allowed to talk about religious rights and religious freedoms, Absolutely. and then impose them on people who don't hold but the same beliefs. But also,
3: anybody that has a different religious p- view or belief, they should be kicked out of America. They're un-American. They're
2: well, yeah. They, ca- they uh, call you know, yes, they call uh, AOC and others like uh, like foreigners. Like they don't belong in our country. Some Republicans like don't even think they're really truly American. They they question Barack Obama's yeah. you know, uh, citizenship. It, it's just beyond it's insane yeah. the whole reason our nation started was because of religious persecution that's why that's why our country is that's why yeah. we left britain that's why we fought them that's why we fought the queen and fought you know the church right to not have to adhere to those rules and regulations and those religious sort of beliefs yeah yet here we are
3: yeah it's, it's wild crazy uh, we're going to talk about that very in depth for this hour so don't miss it now Let's get into a little weather. 78 in Vegas, 87 in Palm Springs, 68 in Houston, a high of 89 in Los Angeles, 88 in Cathedral City, a high of 87 in La Quinta. Now give us a vibe of the day.
2: May I never be complete. May I never be content. May I never be perfect.
3: Okay. I'll try
2: my hardest not to be perfect. We'll do our best.
3: Coming up, we're talking about the significance of Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson's Supreme Court nomination. And if her trial has really been a fair one, coming up next. The Morning Beat with A.J. Gibson and Michaela Gordon. Channel Q.
2: Welcome back to The Morning Beat. It's time for another round of Red, White, and Q. There's a lot going on around the world. But we're going to kick things off uh, by focusing on Ukraine uh, and the current state of affairs there. Uh, it's it's dragging on longer than some Ooh. thought the Ukrainian military is fighting back, uh, but they could be up against another foe very, very soon. As we're seeing reports that Belarus could soon join the war in Ukraine uh, on the side of Russia and Vladimir Putin. Now, here to help us uh, make sense of it all and explain why that matters is our political expert, uh, commentator and host of The Richard Fowler Show. I think you probably know who it is. It's Richard Fowler. Hey, how are you?
5: I'm good. How are y'all? Good morning. We're
2: good. We're We're
3: good. good. Thank
5: you so much for joining us.
3: Yeah. You know, I think it's crazy. Like AJ said, nobody anticipated it to go this long. But now with Belarus uh, sort of stepping in, I think it's coming off the hands of Putin, sort of demanding Ukraine to shut it down and Ukraine being like, no, honey, we're here to stay. Uh, How intense can this get and what does it look like if Belarus joins
5: uh, I think that's a really good question, I think, and that's something that's really important for the American people to understand and for your audience to understand. Uh, look, look, look. when Russia got into this, I think they thought they could very quickly just overtake the people of Ukraine uh, and just invade the country very quickly. But I think what we're seeing is the spirit of the Ukrainian people. And we're also seeing the fact that, you know, this is this war is being fought in people's neighborhoods, and people's blocks, and people's community. And because people live there, they're taking it to heart. Uh, And I think because Russia didn't do a good enough job of securing logistics, supply lines, etc., what we're seeing happening now is just outright, I mean, chaos, it's havoc, it's horrifying, right? They're using air-to-surface missiles, they're doing bombardments at all times of night, at all times of day. And so Belarus entering this war would be more of the same, it'd be more... Boots on the ground and more bombing of the Ukrainian people, which is why, uh, you know, which is why you see Joe Biden going to uh, going to Europe today to meet with European leaders to put more sanctions both on Russia, but there will also be intense sanctions on Belarus if they decide to enter. Uh, into this conflict
2: just to sort of paint a picture for our listeners who might not understand the significance of all of this right uh, we're talking like go back to the soviet union belarus was part of the soviet union back in the day yeah and then since they've all sort of split and russia became russia uh, belarus has really sort of been their closest ally of those former soviet states and belarus is the is the northwestern sort of border of ukraine and russia's already sort of using their their land to sort of launch their operations but this gives them access to an entire chunk of the border of Ukraine that's pretty intense.
5: Uh, that is correct. And I wouldn't even, the ally, I think, is a, is a nice word. I mean, the Belarusian government is pretty much a, a puppet government for Putin. Mm. Uh, and this is just another, att- and this is exactly what Putin, what, what he, what's, what's, what's happening in Belarus and how the Belarus government operates is exactly what he wants in the Ukrainian government. He wants a puppet government where he can run the day-to-day operations He can determine what happens in the country. uh, And this is what what exactly what he wants to happen in Ukraine. And and to your point, in engaging um, in Belarus and in utilizing the Belarus, Belarus, Belarus's military, Putin will be able to gain more more access to the Ukrainian border and create more havoc for the people of Ukraine. Uh,
3: Richard, I want to now kind of come to the American people uh, with now stepping in, having uh, Belarus step in. Do you think that this causes concern that we may now be having to stand with Ukraine and sort of send more troops in? Does it mean uh, more of a war for us as well here in the U.S.?
5: Well, I think the president's been very clear here. Uh, One, I think the president's dealing with a couple of issues that make it very hard for us to put troops on the ground in Ukraine. Number one, I think we have a war-weary America. America's just gotten out of two wars that lasted almost 20-some-odd, 30 years. And so the American people don't want to see American troops in Ukraine. But two, what you think, what I think you're going to see the president do, and I think you'll see some announcements coming out later today from the president once he gets to um, once he gets to Europe, is you're going to see more American troops be part of the NATO coalition that fortify the NATO border, Poland, uh, and Latvia. Uh, there's going to be more more American troops going into Berlin and to parts of Germany to make it very clear to Putin that if you decide to in any way infringe upon the NATO border, this there will be held to pay for that. And I think you'll also see more military aid being given to the Ukrainians, and I think you'll also see more sanctions be put onto the Russians. I mean, I think it's very clear that there will be sanctions put onto the lower house or so basically their lower their House of Representatives in Russia, most of those members will be sanctioned by the United States and by European allies, as well as there'll be more sanctions on international banks that do business with Russian oil. Very, um, yes. And that probably will come later today as well. But I don't think you're going to see uh, U.S. military troops in Ukraine in this moment, um, even though the president has sort of indicated that the, that the, the sort of red line will be, if and when Putin decides to use chemical or biological weapons. Mm, yeah, well, that, that,
2: that entering into Belarus and them sort of joining this conflict could really push that red line a little bit further west and northwest as well, uh, closer to the NATO nations. I, I'm curious to know if you've heard reports, I've been seeing some stuff coming out the last couple of days, that there are rumors, this is all based on Ukrainian intelligence, though, that Russian elites uh, are planning to somehow overthrow Vladimir Putin. A lot of these oligarchs, who have been sanctioned already are feeling the pressure. Is there is there hope that this conflict could end and it could come from Russia? It could actually end from within the 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 nation who started it.
5: I think that's a really good point here. Look, and I think it's really important for all the folks listening to your all the folks listening to your show to understand this. Putin is engaging in a very interesting diplomatic play here. In Putin's mind, now very clear in his mind, not in reality, he doesn't believe that Ukraine is a country right and so he's operating as if ukraine is part of russia that he's sort of retaking so all actions that's happening all the actions that are happening in ukraine are mirror actions that are actually happening in russia right so everything he's doing in ukraine all these projections of him being a strong man him being a strong military leader him being isolated from his public but this ideal of him being this narcissist all of those things are in play when it comes to both how he's engaging in Ukraine as well as his imagery to the people of Russia. So, the fact that you're seeing streets, uh, you're seeing protests on the streets of Moscow, and you're seeing protests on in Vladivostok, and you're seeing protests in St. Petersburg speaks to the fact that there is some weakening of Putin's regime in Russia, and there's weakening of Putin's regime in Russia because he's also taking major losses on the ground in Ukraine. The whole idea like, behind this war was that he was gonna be done in two days. It was like it was gonna be a trip, you know, like a quick vacation for him. He was gonna go into yes. Ukraine, take it over in two days, be back in Russia. Now that's not the case. So the fact that now there are body bags coming back of, we, we have, you know, intelligence reporting saying over 5,000, some reports saying 9,000 to 10,000 Russian troops have been killed. Now they're sort of pushing more young men to go into the Russian army. All of these things are playing out for Putin in his home politics mm. that could really have an impact on whether or not there is a coup or whether or not he's losing power at home in Russia.
2: Yeah, we're seeing reports that there are actually trucks, like refrigerated trucks, being used as mobile morgues for the Russian troops, which is just heartbreaking. I
3: mean, I think the saddest part of this all is for not only the Ukrainian people, but the Russian people. I I just feel like they don't have a choice. What you said was supposed to be two days is now turning into a humongous... Week week four so far. Yeah, and and I appreciate you. I know that we all appreciate you joining us, Richard, uh, to continue having these conversations.
5: Oh, thanks much for having me. You guys have a great Wednesday.
2: You do too. too. Go follow chick. him on Fowler Show, by the way. F-O-W-L-E-R Show on social media. Richard Fowler, thanks.
4: A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.
6: If your day sounds like. We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through, you deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two
4: more rests, two more.
6: You deserve this ice cold reward. Madela, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crownly Port, Chicago, Illinois.
0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without autopay pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without autopay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for walk well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. mobilecom B-Channel Q. I am
6: American,
0: American,
2: American. Come on, RuPaul. It's time for another round of Red, White, and Q. Uh, this time we're going to be talking about the uh, historic nomination of Katanji Brown-Jackson uh, as she enters another day of her confirmation hearing in the U.S. Capitol. And we're so honored to be joined now by the Vice Dean and Professor of Law, Rutgers Law School. Come on, Big Ten. Come on. Uh, please welcome Professor Kimberly <laughs> Mutcherson. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you? Good. I graduated Good. from the Ohio State University, so I know a little a little about the Big Ten. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us. And you know, I know Michaela's got some audio she's going to get into in just a moment. But I'm just curious to know, you know, from your perspective, you 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 teach this, you live this for a living. Uh, what does this mean to you? How significant is this this confirmation and seeing Ketanji Brown Jackson sitting there taking these questions from U.S. senators?
7: Um, it is just incredibly significant. And I was actually lucky enough yesterday to sit in um on the hearings for a couple of hours. And, you know, just the palpable sense of excitement um, in that room for lots of us who are in the visitors' gallery um, was really was really moving. Um and she is, of course, eminently qualified. Um, For the job, probably more qualified than several people who she'll be sitting on the court with. Um, And this is a really wonderful opportunity for us to, you know, as a country, live our values. Right. Um, And part of our values um, is that that anybody can be anything if they work hard enough. Um, in this country, and that has not always been true. And so when you see somebody who has this incredible opportunity, um, it's a really powerful thing to see.
3: Kimberly, I want to throw to some of the audio a question that Senator Lindsey Graham asked our girl, and uh, then we'll come back and discuss. What faith are you, by
4: the way? Senator, I am um, Protestant. Mm -hmm. Okay. um, Non-denominational.
6: Okay. Could you fairly judge a Catholic?
4: Senator, I have a record of fairly yes. judging everyone. I don't believe
6: you can. I'm just asking this question because how important is your faith to you?
3: Now, what's so interesting is I, I feel like this isn't a normal question, question to ask. I don't know if it's retaliation for how Amy Coney Barrett was questioned. Uh, but is this normal?
7: Um, you know, I think we're at a point where it's, it's hard to say what's normal anymore. Um, you know, as you as we watch the, and I actually was there for the last part of Senator Graham's questioning um, yesterday, I was physically in the space and was um, controlled myself, <laughs> um, you know, given how he was, was speaking to the nominee. Um, but I think what we see now, and, and Senator Durbin sort of opened the hearings today with this, is that this is about grandstanding, right? It's not really about having a conversation. Conversation. It's not really about figuring out um, you know, how this person will be as a Supreme Court justice. It's really an opportunity, um, particularly for the Republican senators right now, um, to to play to their base and to play to the crowd, right? Um, they're not really worried about the people who are sitting in that room. And that's a really disappointing thing to see. This is a real process. The advice and, the advice and consent of the Senate um, is part of our constitutional order. And to waste that opportunity um, by, you know, showing... Pictures from children's books, as as Senator Cruz did um, yesterday, um, really is a mockery. Of our system, and it's wildly disrespectful to the nominee. Well, yeah.
2: it's interesting because, like you said, she is one of the most qualified nominees, literally in our Supreme Court history in the confirmation yeah. process. And, and but we also look back, look at Hillary Clinton. She was also the most overqualified woman person to run for president in in our lifetime for sure. And it's just fascinating. And a, a dear friend of mine, Yvette Nicole Brown, tweeted a couple of days ago. She goes, she says, basically, it was a photo of of Ketanji being uh, questioned, uh, and and Judge Jackson, Jackson, I should say, being questioned, and the look on her face of already being like, "Oh God, here we go, another old <laughs> white guy disrespecting me, even though I'm wildly more qualified and more intelligent than he is." But
3: he even says, mm-hmm. "Like, I know, I know you answer, right. answer is dismissive. It's yes.
2: dismissive. So, so, as, so, as a black woman, like, how does that make you feel? And how do you, how do you continue to hold space and continue to elevate? And as Michelle Obama says, "Go high when they go low." How do you keep doing that?
7: Yeah, I mean, I think that um, what we have seen from Judge Jackson over these last couple of days, and actually since she even got nominated, um, is really a masterclass um, in what it takes to be a highly visible, highly successful um, black woman in this country. Um, I, I promise you, this is not the first time she has had white men question her credentials. I promise you, this isn't the first time she has had white men suggest that she is, um, you know, not capable of. Doing doing particular work, um, you know, even the fact that part of what was said to her yesterday was, oh, you're so intelligent, you're so articulate. Uh, microaggression.
2: Uh, you know, yeah. Right. <laughs> you know,
7: I mean, you know, we hear that all the time. Uh. Yeah, usually people who graduate from Harvard undergrad and Harvard Law are smart and articulate, right? There's nothing surprising um, about that. So, you know, what we've seen is the kind of, you um, internal work that a lot of us have to do on a consistent basis in order to be able to survive um, in systems that were not built for us. And she's proven that that is something that she can do. I mean, she's made it through three Senate confirmations already. This is her fourth one. Um, She's done amazing work in her lifetime. So this is a big stage, and this is a um, you know, there's a big crowd of people who are watching what's happening. Um, But she's been doing this stuff uh, for for decades. Mm -hmm.
3: Well, Kimberly Mutcherson, Vice Dean and Professor of Law at Rutgers Law School. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us such incredible insight. To have you there, watching it live, yeah. What an honor.
7: yeah, it was it was a really great day yesterday. And just one correction, I'm actually the dean, I'm not the vice dean. Yeah!
2: Oh, come on. Okay, okay. listen. You and better
3: correct first of all, that us. Will never happen Drag again. us for filth. Yes, cuz we love a female in the lead position. She is the star. I'm so sorry.
7: <laughs> no worries, no worries. I'm actually the first woman, the first black person and the first queer person to have this job. Come on.
2: Oh my god. Wait.
3: Okay, first Listen, of all, this is, Kimberly, this you is not, deserve yeah. more than what I gave you. I love how we just call her Kimberly as a fo- as opposed to Professor, and I
2: call her Katanji Brown know, Jackson. I know, I are like our friends. Like I know. Friend. I'm sorry. So sorry. Professor
3: we'll do better. Professor Dean, I'm sorry. Won't happen again.
7: No worries. No worries. Just wanted just wanted to correct the record yeah, also because my vice my De- vice dean is a black woman as well. So come on. Um, okay. Yeah. We're there running the pool.
3: Love it. Amen. Good morning, B. Channel Q.
2: We've got Aries season finally here. The spring equinox just happened. What's going on? We're looking to the stars with our resident astrologist, Marcus Barrington, in about 12 minutes from right now.
3: Listen, I will tell you that all of my Aries friends are very lit. I knew it was Aries season before it was Aries season because they all posted how great Aries are, how the world couldn't go on without them, how they're godlike.
2: Wait, are you Capricorn or Sagittarius? Cap. Cap, right? I think I remember like the days leading up to it and the entire month of it. All you did is talk about it.
3: Oh listen, every sign does it. <laughs> you have anniversaries for your twentieth, January twentieth. You go, six months till my birthday. It's
2: my own birthday. Yeah. I only know that because it's my unbirthday because when you have a summer birthday in school, you get to bring treats to school That's and celebrate cute. on your own birthday. So I know every January twentieth it's my unbirthday.
3: That's so cute.
2: Also, cancers don't really talk about our month, our season. We just mope and wait for you to acknowledge it. If you don't, we like brood over it until the next year. And then we get like listen hurt internally.
3: Me. One year on Lisa's like birthday, I was like, listen, Lisa, I have this really big gig. I hate when you can call it her birthday. Can we just move it to- It's my birthday. It's your guys' birthday. They share the same birthday. <laughs> my best friend and my partner. And I said, can we just reschedule for like, can we can we do it next weekend to this day? She goes, do you remember when you rescheduled my birthday? <laughs> And I'm like, I didn't reschedule your birthday, idiot. I rescheduled the dinner. She will not let it go. It's very
2: true. It's very accurate. She's never going to let go of it. Never. And I will support her in that journey. (laughs) time for news on the beat. What do you have?
3: All right, honey. Well, U.S. Senator uh, John Cornyn of Texas called the Supreme Court's marriage equality ruling an edict and an example of policymaking by the court when questioning nominee Ketanji Brown-Jackson during her confirmation hearing Tuesday. uh, Cornyn, a Republican... uh, posed that the 2015 decision created a new right that is not in the U.S. Constitution, and he questioned the court's authority to make the decision. As 32 states had passed laws or constitutional amendments against marriage equality, he brought up a conflict with religion as
1: well. And those who have a firmly held religious belief that marriage is between a man and a woman? Well,
4: Senator, that is the nature of a right, that... When there is a right, it means that there are limitations on regulation, even if uh, people are regulating pursuant to their sincerely held religious beliefs.
3: Uh, so we had a really great conversation and if you missed it you can always download our podcast at wearechannelq.com Now another news Utah governor becomes latest Republican to veto transgender sports ban Utah governor Spencer Cox made an emotional plea for compassion toward transgender transgender youth Tuesday in explaining his decision to veto a bill banning transgender students Uh, from playing girls' sports in a letter to the state Senate President and House Speaker Cox told his fellow Republicans that he was moved by data showing that among 75,000 kids playing high school sports in Utah, only four were transgender, with just one involved in girls' sports, Four kids and only one of them playing girls' sports. That's what this is all about. Four kids who aren't dominating or winning trophies or taking scholarships. Four kids who are just trying to find some friends and feel like they are a part of something. Four kids trying to get through each day. Rarely has so much fear and anger been directed at so few. All right, let's get into a little bit of weather, baby.
2: Jerry just listened. He wanted us to know, LOL, 100% correct about cancers.
3: Is he a cancer? Yes, yes. Let me tell you something about Jerry.
2: And then also our program director said he's an amazing Aries. He also wanted us to know that too. Aries so loves being have, Aries. People have emotions about Listen, their signs. Listen,
3: he says Aries is in, uh, her moon is in Aries, and she also serves that vibe. Jerry sent you a text yesterday. Uh, he lives in Kentucky. He's AJ's family member.
2: He hates when we say he lives in Kentucky.
3: Well, he does.
2: He pretends he lives in Cincinnati like he's a city guy. All right.
3: He lives in Cincinnati, Cincinnati <laughs> city guy. Jerry said he thinks that he annoys me. Yeah. Jerry shut up okay don't do the cancer thing you don't annoy me i love you can't wait to see you at the wedding we're going to take so many shots we're going to dip we're going to hip dip we're going to roll on the ground chair it's going to be a time okay
2: <laughs> Hip dip
3: yeah we're going to do it okay maybe you'll dip what's that tobacco dip
2: Oh, chewing tobacco. I feel like
3: Jerry would do some of that.
2: Wait, did you? He does. I knew I've that. never told you this. I
3: know. I just know everything.
2: <laughs> he's he's like a country boy. Yeah,
3: I get it. You're gonna love it. I hear it. I can't wait, Jerry. <laughs> okay, let's do weather. 87 in La Quinta. 87 in Cathedral City. 84 in Sacramento. 55 in St. Louis. 88 in Palm Springs. 80. Uh, 80- 7 in Vegas, and 89 in LA. that give us a vibe of the day.
2: May I never be complete. May I never be content. May I never be perfect.
3: Beautiful baby. All right, coming up, it's airy season and spring equinox. And our astrologer checks in Marcus Barrington to talk about what that means coming up next.
6: B. Good morning B. Channel Q.
2: AJ, fun fact, speaking of coconuts, uh, did you know that coconuts are one of my least favorite things on the entire planet. However, it's my favorite scent ever.
3: That's so funny. So you hate the taste, but you love the scent. I can't
2: eat coconut meat. I can have coconut milk now. Okay. I can drink coconut water. The
3: meat stresses you out. The meat. I hear that deeply. It feels
2: like biting through skin. Ew. odd. Is that disgusting to talk about at 825?
3: I mean, no, because people bite their cuticles, but it's gross. Can't
2: do it. I can't bite my nails. You, if you said, here, I'm going to give you $1,000 to bite one of your fingernails off, I couldn't do it.
3: Oh my God, I have to keep acrylics on because I do bite my nails. Mm. Since I was a little girl, I just bite I bite everything off. The cuticles, the nails, my finger, it's over.
2: I wonder if our guests <laughs> saw this coming. I wonder if we looked at the stars and figured yes! out we were going to talk about this because it's time yes! to check in with our resident astrologer, Marcus Barrington. Uh, Marcus, how are you doing?
3: Go off, Poppy. I'm... Uh-
6: I'm doing great. How are
2: you? We're we're happy to have you host of the podcast Daily Astrology with Marcus Barrington. You know, a lot of things happened this week, and we're a little bit behind, but it is what it is. Uh, Aries season is upon us. We also have the spring equinox. Uh, Do those two things sort of converging at the same time mean anything, or are we just looking to the stars and finding nothing?
0: Well,
6: no, you're definitely going to find something. I mean, it's a lot of energy. So whenever
2: we move into
6: Aries, we get a lot more intense right? A lot more focused, a lot more into making things happen, which is the energy that the world needs to grow new plants and bring life back to the winter states and all that stuff. And Aries is also the ruler of war within the zodiac signs. Um, So that's why we get a lot more intense. It's also the child sign. So there can be a little bit more selfishness in the air. There can be a little bit more emotional outbursts, and intensity, and tunnel vision, and things of that nature. Oh, good, Marcus.
3: This sounds
2: (laughs) incredible. you can see the way you said child, child, she just rolled her eyes like a child.
3: (laughs) Yes, war, children, selfish people. I need more of that, Marcus. Keep it going for the people in the back.
6: (laughs) Well, you know, it is needed energy, right? Because this is the time when we're setting the stage, but there's also so much else that's going on astrologically. We're in a really unique time where every single planet and every single protoplanet is direct. That does not happen often. And so basically what that means is that all things on all fronts can simultaneously move forward. Normally we're in a we're in a point where like just certain things are moving forward and other things are blocked. That's not the case right now. We are in a limitless, like, situation where everything is moving forward. So a lot of you are probably, and a lot of your listeners are probably starting to notice that things are just rolling yeah. and they're going to keep doing that until mid May. This is, is very actually, exciting. Really okay, accurate I'm accurate for me.
3: I'm going to go ahead and let you keep this going, Marcus Barrington, because now I'm feeling back on track. I feel good. We're moving forward. I want to talk about the spring equinox because I know that, like, it was the first day of spring. Everyone tries to clean, declutter, get right things going. Right after the time change, which kind of threw yes, us off. It's now light outside until 11 p.m. So it's <laughs> like, what is the spring equinox for, for people that don't know?
6: So, the spring equinox is just going to be the new beginning, right? So, we recently had the nodes of fate move into Taurus and Scorpio. But, really, as far as like cleansing, that's actually not going to happen until Taurus season. So, right now, what you guys are supposed to be doing is building. Don't worry about cleansing. Right now, we want to build. We've got Saturn in a faded position. So, Faded structures and faded karmic returns, both good or bad, depending on if you've been naughty or nice, are coming in right now. So this is actually the time of new beginnings, not necessarily cleansing. When we get into Taurus season, we're going to really be cleansing, shedding, getting grounded because Taurus controls Mother Earth. So right now, it's building, connecting Juno, the ruler of partnerships and relationships, in a strong, strong trine with Venus right now. So there's a ton of new partnerships and relationships, both work, family, friends, and lovers that are beginning to form right now. So, right now, we're creating faded structures. It's really more about Taurus. So, it's more about beginnings and more about Saturn and more about building these things. And then, when we do move into Taurus season, that's when you're going to see things really shedding.
2: You know, listen, I dated a lot of Taurus back in the day, back in my early 20s. Uh, and here's what I'll tell you great sex no communication, explosive arguments. That's all I know about Taurus. Really? Yes, I listen, I don't know what it is, but every single Taurus I've ever met in my entire life sexually so compatible and we th- Fought like Capricorn. See, and I dogs. love
3: Taurus, but I'm an Earth sign. I'm a Capricorn. So, like, I ride with the Taurus. I'm a
2: Cancer. I'm too emotional.
6: Well, you be careful. You're talking to a Taurus. And I will definitely agree with you on the great sex part. Well, sure. listen, yes! listen. I, I'm
2: very much not available, but if that should change at any time in the future, <laughs> speaking of Equinox, we go to the same gym. And I tell you what, Michaela. My fiance has told me no less than probably three times during the pandemic, "Hey, isn't that Marcus Barrington?" And I miss hey, you. I've ev- never
3: seen you, Marcus and Barrington. I, no, I
2: miss you every single time, and it's because we're wearing masks. I just I cannot decipher somebody's face with the mask on. No, so now. You- that we have Not mask anymore.
6: Mask-free is the way to be for now.
2: Yes, we have to say hi.
3: <laughs> we love it. No masks yeah. for masks anymore. Mask for masks. Well, Marcus Barrington, just to leave us with some simpler advice. I know that we're coming up on also another full moon this month. Uh, what does that look like, and how should people be manifesting for their greatest desires?
6: Honestly, right now I'm going to go back to just well, kind of what you said. Just manifest those new beginnings. This is all about new beginnings. Don't worry about the road ahead. Worry about the structure that you're building right now. In April, things are going to climax, and we should definitely talk in April, because we have some of the largest aspects that are hitting. We have one that's hitting that doesn't come around except for once in 168 years. We've also got our first eclipse in April. We have Venus forming an ultra-powerful aspect. So, April's going to be big. Right now, lay the foundation, grow what you want to grow, remove any limitations that you think you might have because anything and everything is truly possible
2: right now. All I heard is we're all going to climax in April. So, That's I'm what I am thrilled. I was I'm great. great. Thanks, Marcus. <laughs> Appreciate it. Build me up to climax
3: in April. No problems here, Marcus.
7: <laughs> the Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela. Channel Q.
2: So, earlier this week, we talked about uh, a dog named Fesco, uh, who was given up for adoption by his parents in the state of North Carolina because they feared that their dog could be gay. Lord! My prayer every day is that my dog is gay, and I think he is very much in love with women so far. One in particular, her name is Skylar. She's a Husky, and she's twice his size. Um, So, he's more of a submissive, you know, uh, bottom, uh, I guess, straight Sis dog, I think, as far as I know right now, as far okay. as they've revealed to me. Okay. Uh, but we do have an update on this dog, Fesco. This dog has now been adopted. Of
3: course he has. In uh-huh. a
2: Facebook post yesterday, uh, the, the Animal Protective Services <laughs> so who brought who he was dropped off to said, we would like to give a special thank you to Greater Charlotte SPCA for taking Fesco into their rescue. Thankfully, they had a previous adopter set up or step up, and Fesco has been adopted Thank you for making this possible. Fesco's name has now been changed to Oscar.
7: I
3: love to see it. Listen, we reported the story yesterday, and I feel like it's very important to understand, just in general, that dogs are like a wolf pack and they're going to try to dominate where they are in that wolf pack. So if your dog jumps on another dog, sometimes it's not because they want to have sex with them. They want to dominate the situation and show them that they're in power. That's not the same situation when my dog dominates Vanessa. He just wants to be with Vanessa yeah. on a sexual level. How about
2: when you hop on my back? What does that signify?
3: Dominating you.
2: Got it, got it. I'm
3: 5'2", you're 6'5 a half, and I have to show you that I rule the roost here.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Oscar, not only was Oscar adopted... Oscar was adopted by a long couple, Steve and John.
3: Yes, honey.
2: Uh-huh. They said they both faced uh, discrimination in the past, so they felt an immediate connection, saying, quote, we've been subject to that kind of bigotry and ignorance throughout our lives together, and we couldn't always do anything about it. We looked at each other and said, we can do something about this.
3: I love this so it's much. It's also
2: absurd. It's so absurd. Who turns in a dog because they're afraid they're gay? But
3: also, like, do you think that this couple that turned in the the dog for being gay do you think they ever thought it would get this much like national coverage no because way. TMZ posted it as well and it's like this is where you can call liberals psychos you can make fun of gay people but you literally turned in a dog because, because you thought, you it thought it the gay. dog was gay who's
2: the snowflake you yeah you know what I mean not they always call us snowflakes isn't that the thing these liberal mamby pambies. that's what yeah. I, I've been called those things so oh, many times oh liberal
3: mamby pamby yeah
2: Mm-hmm. And you what does a
3: Mamby Pamby mean? I don't even mean. know. No, because I've heard it, but what does that mean? Like, I just want I had, to know what it is. I had a cousin who
2: told, told me one time that I live in Mamby Pamby land. What, but what is Mamby? I don't know. I, I, I simply... Re- applied to him before I blocked him on Facebook that um, I face or I see more diversity and experience more cultures in a, in a 10 floor elevator ride from my apartment to my lobby on any given day than he's experienced in his entire life. Oh,
3: okay. Mambi Pamby means lacking in character or substance, mm. weak and indecisive.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mambi
3: Pamby. Oh, I'm sorry. To a T. Namby Pamby. I don't
2: even know what that is.
3: Nambi pambi. Maybe he called
2: me Namby Pamby.
3: Okay, no, I'm not dragging you. I'm just genuinely questioning who made up Namby Pamby. I'm saying
2: maybe he called me that too.
3: Yeah, maybe he did. No
2: idea, but guess what? Live my best life and so is Oscar Oscar has Hello. a new home a big queer home same sex dads I love it
3: living is truth I love it too look I say it all the time it's the power of the internet it's so explosive now that literally anybody can find a home anybody well, can get dragged
2: anybody can get invited to be a presenter at the Oscars Rachel yes, Zegler it's yes. I mean the power of social media it's
3: crazy and it's amazing I love this for that little doggy okay I'm so excited about this next what's poppin because Netflix has a new series coming out called Wednesday and some of your favorite Adams Family characters will be joining and I can't wait. Next. The Morning Beat with AJ and Michaela. Channel Q.
2: American Boy. Come on Estelle. That's a vibe. I haven't heard that one in a minute.
3: Okay. I'm your American Boy. I actually love that song. You're my American Boy.
2: I know. I just want to hear you say it.
3: Okay, my all-American boy.
2: Um, I'm super excited about this because I have not heard a lot from this actress in a while. What's going on and what's popping?
3: Thrilling baby Christina Ricci is headed to Netflix. Now, uh, the new Adams Family fans have been hoping for uh, some sort of reboot, some kind of remake. And it's happening now. Christina Ricci, the actor most closely associated with the title character Wednesday, will be a major part of the live-action show from Tim Burton. Now, Ricci, who starred as Wednesday Adams in the Barry Sonnenfeld-directed 1990s Adams Family feature franchise, is a series regular in Wednesday, which is headlined by Jenna Ortega in the title role. Now, detail about Ricci's roles are role are being kept under wraps to protect the surprise for fans but it is revealed that she plays a new character and not an older version of Wednesday she's giving it sort of a uh, Thora Birch vibe now that Thora Birch is making the exit amid production um, she's playing a new character and it's very excited they're rapping in Romania at the end of this month uh, it's a coming of age comedy uh, written by Smallville creators and I'm, ve- I'm so excited about this also Catherine Zeta-Jones will play matriarch Morticia Adams. Love it. Is that fabulous? Do you know who is
2: playing Wednesday? Who? Jenna Ortega. No, I said that. No, but do you know why I love her, though? Why? I I should have positioned that a little differently. She's the star of the latest Scream film.
3: Oh, she's having a moment. She's
2: having such a moment. And we fell in love with her first on You Season 2. She was the sister of the girl in the apartment in I Los Angeles. I
3: love her. She's so
2: fantastic.
3: I love her. That's great. Okay, well, I'm very excited because I feel like I love Adam's family. It was such dark humor. Yes. Um, I was watching uh, Runaway Bride last night with Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Who was also an icon in the Adam's family.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, She's just
3: so funny. Do you
2: sometimes in your brain, your childhood brain, confuse Adam's family movies with Casper movie plot
3: lines? (gasps) Yes. I do. I switch them back and forth. Because Christina Ricci was also in Casper. She was the queen. It was a whole vibe. Oh, my God. What was the boy that played Casper? He was so fine. Devin Sawa. Girl.
2: Every girl your age and every boy my age was in love with him. It
3: was Devin Sawa, JTT. Um, uh,
2: Jonathan Brandis,
3: Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Jon-
2: yeah, Jonathan Brandis, remember him from no. Sequest and from, Camp- was it Camp Nowhere? No, remember that movie. I don't. Christopher Lloyd. Oh my gosh. Okay,
3: I'll Google it. But it all came out of that magazine. What was it? Popstar or Bop? totally bop yeah it was incredible okay back to regular news that's not from when i was seven uh coming up next hour the word fruity was it what does it mean to you and our community and is it something that we should be reclaiming we discuss in the next hour the morning beat with aj gibson and michaela gordon channel q
2: what does the word fruity mean to you it means when... that
3: there's fruit on the side of the street on Melrose and I think about stopping every day and then I remember that I don't have cash and so I can't.
2: Are you talking about like the pineapple and mango you stand? You know what I'm saying, baby. With the uh, what is the tajin? Yes, they that's right. On? Delicious. And if
3: you're lucky they have cucumber, watermelon uh, yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. like, "Oh." Uh.
2: Okay, well if you're a gay man of a certain age, I would say probably my age or older, Fruity might have a very different connotation for you, maybe a negative one. Uh, but there's something really interesting happening on social media right now, where the word is being taken back. So we're going to do a little bit of a, bit of a deep dive into the the history of the word, uh, where it came from, and where we think it should go. Coming up in about 15 minutes, uh, we're getting fruity here on the morning beat. See, that's me. Taking, Let's get fruity, that's, that's baby. That's me taking the word back right there. I love it. Yeah. Right now, it's time for you to. Uh, get Barbara Waltersy and do a uh, Walters-y. I don't know how to say that one. I
3: think you said it perfectly. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It's time for I you to get news-y. I'm a mix
3: between Barb Wire with Pamela Anderson and Barbara Walters where I give the news. Basically, I'm giving the news as Pamela Anderson would in Barb Wire.
2: That's how you see yourself?
3: That's my motivation.
2: Listen, you have a strong, you have a healthy, healthy ego. It's a healthy amount of no, ego. No, no, I
3: didn't say that. So I'm just saying when I come in every day, when I give the news, I envision... Barbara Walters sitting in front of Gaga but looking like barb wire Pamela Anderson in latex and leather. I didn't say it's what I looked like. I said that's my motivation to get into the job every day and do news on the beat.
2: Is that all your real hair on top of your head right now? Yeah. It's a healthy bun. Thank you. Looks like it has one of those donuts underneath but it's real.
3: No it is. It's all in there. Because you're
2: Italian and you have a lot of hair.
3: Yeah I have a lot of hair all over my body.
2: All right so <laughs> let's transition from that. To Devastating news on the beat. What's going on?
3: Okay, according to publicly available annual returns, 11 nonprofit profit groups identified as anti-LGBTQ hate groups by the Southern Poverty Law Center took in over $110 million and there it is. in contributions during the financial year ending in 2020. The dollar amount represents a recent high watermark for the organizations whose take... Of donations, grants, and other non-cash contributions has increased steadily since 2016, when the same 11 groups reported more than $87 million in such contributions. In just four years, their total revenue swelled by over 25%, with some indication that the positive trend continued into 2021. The multi-million dollar war chest has bolstered a movement that just a few years ago appeared to be losing ground in America's decades-long culture war around lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer rights. Far from retreating, the groups have won significant battles at all levels of American government and society, from local school boards to the federal courts. Just awful news. Terrible. All right, another news. Moderna announced interim results of its COVID 19 vaccine for children younger than six. The company said two 25 microgram doses of its COVID 19 vaccine for children ages six months through five years old provided a similar immune response to two 100 microgram doses for adult ages 18 to 25, indicating that the benefit conferred to young adults is also conferred to young children. Oh, Lord, these vaccines. Okay, let's get into a little bit of weather. It's going to be a high of 88 in L.A. today, 78 in Vegas, 87 in Palm Springs, 68 in Houston, a high of 56 in Cleveland, 87 in Cathedral City, and 87 in La Quinta. Now, if you don't mind, why don't you give us a vibe today.
2: May I never be complete. May I never be content. May I never be perfect. Listen. I'm never going to be perfect. Love that. But that bun on the top of your head is slapping right now. Go off, so, I baby. can't stop looking at it. It's cute.
3: Thank you. Are you dragging me right now? No,
2: you're like a little ballerina. You look adorable.
3: Yes. I'm-
2: it's like a messy bun, but not that messy.
3: I want you to be a ballerina so bad. And my mom couldn't afford it. too short.
2: It? Oh, my bad. <laughs> this, this, <laughs> you're, you're not built like a ballerina. Let's just be honest. I just shut
3: up. Yes, I am. You, Who listen, knows what a ballerina is built you're like? You're a
2: very, very feminine, beautiful, gorgeous talker. Do so you think truck. I'm
3: like a hippopotamus talker? I didn't call you
2: a I didn't call you. So a you hipp-
3: think I'm the hippo in the ballet outfit?
2: I did not call you a hippopotamus. Great. That's I my new. I want a hippopotamus great, that's for my new Christmas. Christmas. Okay. B
3: morning. B-B.
6: Channel Q.
2: Welcome back to The Morning Beat. Now, this article is so interesting. It uh, popped up on LGBTQ Nation, one of our favorite sources, and it talks about the term fruity. Now, fruity has been trending on TikTok recently, and for a lot of this younger generation, I don't even know if many people actually use the word or even know what it means. It's sort of like... Uh, the words queen and queer in our community used to be used uh, as uh, slurs against us. Right. And now, like, we call each other queen because we love each other. And I refer to myself as queer. And even five years ago, I never would have said I'm a queer man. But now I think it's more all-encompassing than just saying gay man, right? Fruity is sort of one of those words. And oddly enough, if you look into the origins of the word fruity, um, it actually probably most likely came from our community to begin with. Now, back in the day, uh, in 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 parts of London during the 19th century, uh, there were anybody who was sort of an outcast or an outsider, like think like theater folks or circus workers, vagrants, sailors, uh, those types, right? Fruit and vegetable sellers also were looked down upon and sort of lumped in that entire group. Um, so, to sort of uh, communicate with each other. And Britain's gay community sort of adopted this word as part of their code. And they refer to each other as fruity. So they understood what it meant. Right. Now we understand it. We hear fruity like, oh, it means gay. But back then, it did not mean that. Also, another reason the word fruit and fruity was used is that um, sort of like women, um, fruit is more like fruit and vegetables. Fruit is like softer and more supple than a vegetable. So in that way... Fruit referred to, like, gay men as being soft and supple like a woman.
3: You know, it's interesting. How wild. I never got fruity growing up. Um, Like, we didn't use those words. I did. It would just be like, you're gay. Uh, But I remember movies like Best Friend's Wedding or, like, where they would say, oh, he's kind of fruity. And it's so funny because there's this whole thing happening on TikTok right now uh, where they're reclaiming, women are reclaiming the word bimbo. And they're like, go ahead, call me a bimbo. And they're dressing like it. And they're like, it's a good thing we own our sexuality. And I love it. I'm so here for it. Uh, It's the same way that we've reclaimed the word bitch. Like, if you called a woman a bitch, and still, to be fair, there are a lot of women who are like, and you still don't get to call me a bitch. But in the queer community, it's more like a yes, bitch, yes, queen. Mm -hmm. Um, It sort of has that negative connotation completely gone. And so, even with fruity, like I, I really still don't feel like that's typically a a word. But I feel I, like it's
2: used for men more. And
3: yeah. that's probably
2: why bimbo and bitch are more used for women. And fruity tends to refer to effeminate men who have like kind of traditionally feminine characteristics.
3: Yeah, but I think that's the perfect way to just reclaim it if and when still being used. Because I'm sure like in places like where you're from, small towns in Ohio or small towns around. Oh, fruity for it's sure. It's still like for sure a word. Or a fruit loop. Yeah, but also it's so funny because in Vegas the gay... District is called the Fruit Loop, hmm. so it was never but, a negative thing. No,
2: but yes, but maybe it was, and maybe they reclaimed it so many years ago maybe. because our community is—they're the, the ones that also started the word and used the word to empower ourselves. So maybe, if, bet if you did a deep dive into the origins of the Fruit Loop, um, because oftentimes we're called words like that, and then we're like, yeah, that's right, whatever, right? Yeah, we're gonna own it. It's like uh, I think it's uh, it's I think it was in mm, gosh, where was it, Vancouver? Uh, it's Davie street is like the pink district. I think they call it. And everything there is like painted pink, like their fire hydrants are painted pink. Their mailboxes are painted pink. And it's sort of like a reclaiming of the color pink, which is traditionally a feminine color. And, 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 and and the lesbian community uses it. Gay men use it. And they say, yeah, whatever. We're, we're fruity. We're effeminate. We love it. I'm a little fruity. I'm a fruit loop. I definitely am a Fruit Loop.
3: Yeah, reclaim I'm, it, I'm baby. I'm proud of
2: it. What's a word that somebody called you growing up that you, that you would be like laugh at now that maybe used to hurt you?
3: Oh, for sure, bitch.
2: Oh, yeah, that one?
3: Like, I love it now. I mm-hmm. love the word bitch. But I remember there was a girl, this was actually last year. She's a good friend of mine, her name's Story. And she was like, someone was like, okay, bitch. And she literally turned around and she was like, no, we're not going to make that a normal thing. Don't ever call me a bitch and I don't care how you say it. I don't care how you mean it. Oh, you said it to her? No, she said this to somebody that was like, okay, bitch. And Uh she was like, don't ever call me that again. And I was like, oh my God, I forget that that's a word that like women Mm -hmm. do not appreciate. I will say, one of my best friends, we were in a conversation the other day and I said, um, he said, okay, bitch, go off. And he's like, actually, really bad. I don't want to call you that anymore. I'm never going to say it again. And I was like, Okay. You and I
2: have had that discussion because I've now adjusted because you're like, I'm actually okay with it sometimes. So I've had to adjust how I use it. I think there's a difference in using it in a way like if I'm sort of like dragging you or teasing you, that's not always the most supportive. But if it's more of like a yes, bitch, like you're empowering you, then I think it's a little bit different.
3: Yes. If I'm like,
2: um, if I'm like calling you like, you're such a mess, bitch, that's mean.
3: Yeah. I think there's a right way and a wrong way to use it. I think there is. And I think that's with every word. Like, I think with fruity, I think with bimbo, I think with queer, I think with gay, Mm -hmm. it really does matter what you're putting behind the words because at the end of the day, words are just words. It's the intent behind it. Uh, but I didn't know that about the word fruity, and also, it's good you know. Also,
2: I love Fruit Loops. Also, I, actually, I love Fruit Loops. And Fruity Pebbles, delicious.
3: First of all, like, let's not drag cereals. Get
2: me a bowl of cereal now.
3: With almond milk, because it hurts my belly.
2: Sure. Okay. Tell
6: me something good.
2: How about we kick things off by uh, talking about an LGBTQ plus women in history as we continue honoring uh, Women's History Month. Uh, Born in Saigon, Amazon Leti is a fierce advocate for the LGBTQ kids in sports. Amazon was adopted into a white family in Australia and began her lifelong passion for athletics as a bodybuilder at age six. She was bullied both for being Asian and LGBTQ, and her work at the intersection of these identities has been influential. She founded the Amazon Letty Foundation, which works to prevent anti LGBTQ and anti AIDS discrimination. She also works tirelessly for the inclusion of LGBTQ people in sports and has worked publicly to further queer Asian representation in sports and the media with Athlete Ally, the BBC, and the Obama White House, amongst many others. The Obama White House, not too bad. Wow. I've, heard, I've heard of that.
3: Amazing. Okay, this. You know, Amazon. I'm sorry, Amazon. (laughs) See what you did there? Uh, Okay, this story is amazing. Dolly Parton says she's in talks for a musical biopic, which I cannot get enough of. She should be doing this. But she said that originally she'd been talking about doing Broadway, um, but after COVID hit, it really changed her mind about the whole thing. So now she wants to make a movie, and she's eyeing Kristen Chenoweth to play her. Perfect. And I could not think... Of a more perfect person. Yeah, it's perfect.
2: She's tiny and petite, just like her. Can
3: sing her face off. She's
2: already naturally uh, endowed up top, but just a little more. No,
3: the joke she said was, so Christian Chenoweth was on Jay Leno last year, and he said, are you really in talks to play Dolly? And she said, listen, I'm more than ready. I've been listening to her my whole life. I just lack two things. And then she grabbed her breasts, and she said, "Uh, but they can do something about that. And then went into singing Jolene and sang it perfectly. Yeah. I think it'd be a great casting.
7: I think so, I love it.
3: Oh, that's so exciting. I just want more Dolly everywhere we go.
2: Yes. It's perfect. Yes.
3: All right. Well, that's the end of our show. Thank you to all of our amazing guests today. And uh, we have a great show for you tomorrow. It's Therapy Thursdays for now. Uh, Hang around for three hours of really great music and then tune in to Let's Go There. And don't forget to end your evening with Loveline tonight
0: with Dr. Chris. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,